Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. I'm Jesse, here with my best pal, Brianna, and today we are talking about Of an Age. Of an Age is a 2022 Australian romantic drama film directed and written by Goran Stolevsky. Uh, the film stars Elias Anton as Cole, a Serbian immigrant in Australia who enters a brief but intense romance with Adam, played by Tom Green, the brother of his ballroom dance partner, Ebony, who's played by Hattie Hook. So this is your spoiler alert for Of an Age. Brianna, <laughs> you saw this with a friend. How was it? I did. Um, I feel like I say this every single time we podcast, but yet again, I wound up seeing this movie because I had discount. It was a discount Tuesday at one of the local theaters um, that served champagne. And I 100% wanted to drink and watch a movie that day. And it was either between this movie or Close. And the reason why we went with this movie was because there was no subtitles. We were not really feeling like we wanted to drunk read a movie. So we went with this one. And then like 15 minutes into it, we were like, damn, we wish this movie had subtitles because (laughs) the Australian accent was so thick that like I really had to be paying attention to what was going on. Uh, But I didn't really have any understanding of like what I was going to be seeing. I knew what you read to me. And that was it. So I was genuinely surprised by the movie. I thought it was really cute and really endearing and made me like, oh, because I shared similar feelings in the ending as the characters displayed. And I was like, oh God, this was so cute. I also really appreciated it because as an American, I haven't really seen like queer movies from Australia and like their version of immigration. So I really appreciated that it was like a Serbian story because I mean, I feel like in the US you get like Mexican immigrants and Latino immigrants as like the immigration story, sometimes Asian immigrants, but like, I don't think I've seen a single film about a Serbian immigrant. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, And I really just wound up enjoying the movie because I felt like I was there based on all of the camera angles like they really put you like right next to the fucking people yeah i thought it was i thought it was really cute uh what about you though jess yeah i agree with you on the subtitles there was some thick australian accents when they were talking pretty quickly where i was like i have no idea what they just said so yeah i think i got most of it, but I agree. There was some some dialogue that could use some subtitles. And just a small plug for ourselves. We are going to cover Close next week. So, you know, yes, stay tuned are. for that one. I think I agree that this movie was cute. There was something kind of nostalgic about it to me for kind of two reasons. One is that it mostly takes place in the 90s. It's kind of done in two parts, but the longer part is in 1999, I believe. So that's kind of when like my own consciousness is coming to be. So there's something very nostalgic about that, right? Like I think they have cassette tapes in the car, you know, just some, Mm -hmm. some different from a different time, if you will. Yeah. And then there was something kind of like queer movie nostalgic about it to me Mm -hmm. because it was so just focused on only this queer relationship and really not about anything else. So Mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of like, those 90s early aughts very low budget queer films that are kind of all about a budding queer relationship i wouldn't say this movie is great but it's good what do you think held it back from being great 
So a couple things. I'm a pretty impatient person. And so I know. And so there was just so much sitting and gazing that after a while I was like, we get it. You're attracted to each other. Like I I just didn't want to sit in it as long as the film wanted me to, I think. And like, that's part of it, right? Because you're nervous. You don't know if they feel the same way. There's a lot of reasons that there's constantly this this time. But there was just so much time in the film where we were just like sitting and stuff. And that's not my favorite. Audience, I would just like to say at this time, Jesse has not seen Close. But I'm really curious to see what you say when we podcast about that movie. Uh, Because I do I do hear you. There was a lot of like, really just sitting in the intense back and forth like emotions of the two main characters but like I actually enjoyed that because it made me feel like it or it made me remember how I would feel when I was first like falling for somebody or getting the butterflies for somebody and I was actually talking to my friend about that uh we're like we miss that like that's a very unique experience and so all those like drawn out scenes and like intentionally close close-ups made us feel what they were feeling and I was like I'm so excited because they're gonna have their first like experience and it's gonna be great but I do see what you're saying of like if you were not convinced to join them in that that it would definitely just feel very long and drawn out yeah there are some scenes where they're clearly just sitting in their lust and not doing anything about it and I I get it because you I don't know, making that first move can be very scary, but maybe it's because I'm older than these guys, but I'm just like, why don't you just kiss each other? Like, I just, like, and let's go for it, team. Um, I understand. I know. I understand it's not that simple, especially first time. And clearly these characters, well, one of these characters is still kind of grappling with his sexuality. So, and figuring it out. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not quite that simple or easy as I'm making it out to be, but in the theater, I did just like find myself getting a little bit impatient at certain times. I also just have some kind of bigger fundamental questions with the plot. Like, I understand why this younger guy, Cole, is into Adam, but I'm not really sure why Adam is into Cole. <laughs> okay. So did I look at your notes and then do my notes based on your notes in response to what you said? Yes, I did. At least you so have, I have a response to that. <laughs> At least I have notes. It's fine. It's fine. Um, No notes. Anyways, what was I going to say? Oh, I have a response to why is Adam into Cole? I was happy to see this film because A, it was put in 1999 and B, it was done in Australia. And I have no understanding of what it was like to be queer in Australia at that time. But I do think... Or I I thought of Hannah Gadsby, who did not grow up in Australia, but grew up in Tasmania around that time as a queer person and was talking about just how horribly homophobic Tasmania was at that time. And so to me, it gave me the understanding of like so few queer people existed outwardly at that time that like, yes, it makes sense when there's not a lot to offer, you're going to be attracted to what's available. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like there was endearing and charming aspects of Cole that like, I could see it. 
I could definitely see it. Hmm. So you're saying it was a little bit of slim pickings? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, think about, like, when you were, when we were in high school and, like, the number of out queer people, I feel like directly impacted who you then found attractive at our school. But that's, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe other people don't feel that way, but I feel like I've been attracted to people that if I had more options, I would not have been attracted to in the same way. That's a good point. And I suppose when you've spent time together and enjoyed each other's company on top of it, yeah, you'd be kind of compelled towards them, probably, even on a friendship level, right? Like we've experienced mm-hmm. queers kind of just find each other, whether you're out or not. It kind of just happens a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And like throughout this entire car ride, we just see how easy it is for them to exist together and like simultaneously that they both have similar interests, that they both have a similar sense of humor. And it's just easy. And I think that also that ease when you're queer and when you're even like young and queer can be really attractive and desirable because you just kind of get to show up and enjoy yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fair. I suppose there could be something appealing about taking the more mentor role as well. Like, you know, like that could Mm -hmm. in and of itself perhaps be intriguing or arousing to them, I suppose. Absolutely. And there was a thing that like, I, I feel like a discrepancy. So I swear in the movie, Cole says that he is 19, but then I feel like in other synopsises or things like that, I've seen 17. And so I don't know if I just, he says 17. He says 17. Which then I promptly Googled age of consent in Australia. The age of consent is 16 slash 17, depending on the, the geographic location. So it is still well within uh, the age of consent. Gotcha. Yeah. So we don't necessarily have to like debate about whether or not this is the the legality of this, because we if we did, we'd be seeing it through the U.S. lens and not through the Australian experience. That's really good to know. I'm glad you looked that up because I definitely had that thought. I was like, ooh, when he said that, I was like, oh, bummer, a couple weeks shy. And then things just continue. And I was like, oh, OK, well, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, that is just an American using that 18 you know, cut off that we have here. So that's a good mm-hmm. thing to look up. Yeah. And did I do that? Because I saw your notes and I was like, oh, let me go Google this. Yes. Yes, I did. Because I wanted to make sure that our comments were rooted in facts so that we didn't upset anybody. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, see, it's great. It's great to have notes. I think yes. on that like vein, it kind of reminded me of Call Me By Your Name. Where mm. I'm pretty I don't sure know if I've seen that. Oh, gotcha. We should we should check that out sometime. It's good, um, but there is quite an age gap between them. And I know when that movie came out, that was part of the debate as well. Is mm-hmm. you know, does it branch into grooming in any way if there is this huge age gap between them and you know different power dynamics and stuff like that? I didn't really find that present here. Like, yeah, one of them no. is. In I think just graduated high school and one's going to get his PhD, but like they're in places in their life they don't seem that different. Um, no. I think the bigger focus is is kind of the the sadness is it, that it has to be so fleeting because he's going to mm-hmm. college, right? So it's all they can really have is a twenty four hour fling, and there's something very like 
sad in just the time. Like it's like the wrong time for them to to be mm-hmm. together, kind of thing. Yeah, and honestly, I I left this movie being like, wow, this this low key reminded me of Moonlight, in that like they had this one experience where they got to like be very intimate and like kind of be seen by each other. Um, and then the ending, God, that just like broke my heart where he's like, well, at least I get to tell the other boys that like, I've had, I've had this, I I know what this is like. And doesn't that make me special? And I was like, motherfucker, my heart. It immediately made me think of like when at the end where like black is just being held by his friend who he's only ever been really intimate with. And I was like, Oh my God, I just want to hold, hold everybody and make them feel better because then to me it does beg the question like is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all and I don't know I feel like that's a really difficult question to answer and I wasn't sure if Cole felt lucky or felt frustrated because he was supposed to feel lucky, but then also just like devastated because he couldn't be with the person that like he felt that with. But I don't know if he regretted it. What do you think? I thought his speech about being lucky was a kind of exactly what you're you're pushing on, which is like, I think answering that question, is it better to have loved and lost and never have loved before? It's different for every person and I even think it's different at different times right like obviously when you're in the grief of having lost it it probably feels like it wasn't worth it but hopefully in retrospect there becomes a time that it was or you can at least learn from it there I the parallel to Moonlight is is very real here I have the same thought mostly because it's a tiny little uh, sorry not tiny that that minimizes it is a brief love affair that truly changes their life Mm -hmm. right the trajectory Mm -hmm. of how they look at themselves as people you know for better and for worse because like (laughs) there's obviously internalized homophobia and things but yeah I think that's a good parallel here just with obviously very different identities but Mm -hmm. there's it's undeniable that Cole's life has changed forever from meeting Adam here and honestly maybe vice versa I was gonna say and I do feel like it could be Vice versa, because I did, I don't know, I genuinely believed their connection and I genuinely believed that Adam was sad when he got to see Cole again, like that, and like, not just sad, but like borderline heartbroken that it didn't get to like work out with them to even try. And that kind of then brings me to the, the idea of like that shot in the bedrooms because so the shot that I'm talking about is when it's just looking at the bedroom doors and Cole is in one room and Adam is in the other room. And it's one of the only shots that's like really far out. And it makes me think of like the, the barriers that are between them and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, like I said, I was a little drunk at the end, but they show that they show that shot twice in the movie. They show it like when they first go to Ebony's home and then they show it around the marriage around the wedding. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm not crazy. Like talk to me about like the symbolism within that, because I like when I remember when it cut to that scene, I was like, Oh, they're so far apart, but they're so like the timing and the barriers. That's, I think that's exactly it. Right. It's supposed to convey in a beautiful symmetrical shot. So close yet so far. 
right? I it loved can't, it. Yeah, I agree. It was a beautiful house, a beautiful shot. And there were certain cinematography choices in this I didn't like, but that was one I did really like. That's a that's one of the shots from the movie that stick out sticks out to me as well. Because, yeah, yeah, it is exactly that. It's the movie zooming out a minute to be, you know, just make sure you see the so close yet so far. The only thing separating them is that wall. And then the second time we see it, I'm pretty sure Cole slams the door when he goes in. Right. So it's like a different tone the second time. Mm -hmm. It's, It's really evoking some of that bitterness and jadedness and things that that are definitely there. Like in the flashback in the 90s, I think he even asks him, like, are you jaded yet? But when we see mm-hmm. him in 2010, there is no question he is jaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes me feel very validated because I 100% <laughs> was like, I hope I'm not reading too much into this. No, you're uh, absolutely not. It also, to me, it was also the movie kind of acknowledging like um, the girl Ebony was mm. literally just being used as a device to get them together. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of just like a look. Her bedroom's right here, next to like the actual point. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, because the movie starts with Ebony and it's really chaotic, and she's doesn't know where she is, and there's no cell phones in the '90s, so she's calling for help. And so the movie kind of starts, and you're like, "What is this about?" And then as soon as yeah. we meet Adam, it kind of calms right into a rhythm that's mm-hmm. nice and comforting, and then things are actually happening. So. Yeah, Ebony's yeah. sort of just this chaotic catalyst for our nice, endearing, you know, not adventure, but... Moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost called it a fling, but again, I'm not trying to minimize what they had. No, no, brief. but like it is... Exactly. It is It is brief yet powerful. Uh, but I am glad that you brought up Ebony because I like had mixed feelings about this character. Uh, I have had friends, as you know, that like are friends with people that are toxic to them, but like, because of the number of friends that they have, they like stand by that person. And I think it was important for him to meet. I think it was important for Cole to meet Adam because from this movie, I got the sense that like we were given essentially that like this kid Cole has his family and then he has Ebony. And that's because especially, I don't know if you remember, like even when we went to high school, but like how bullied specifically men were, boys were when they even were perceived to be gay and they didn't have a lot of friends. And so of course, like from that, we are supposed to, or I understood that like, because he was into dancing, because he was into maybe like theater or the arts that like, he didn't have many options as friends. And so he was clinging to the relationship of Ebony, even if it wasn't uh, a healthy one. And that like, through his relationship with Adam, he was able to learn that he is worth genuine connection. And we see that in like the fact that when he comes back for the wedding, he's not really coming back for Ebony. They barely talk. He's coming back to hopefully see Adam because he wants that like genuine connection again. And sometimes we need to be shown that people in our life aren't good for us and learn what great treatment is in order to see how terribly we're being treated. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that as you kind of alluded to earlier, like even in the movie, we see some homophobia when his 
he says something like, oh, my uncle will never stand for that or something like that. And at home, mm-hmm. I think it's a brother or cousin is says something like, are you gay or something like that? And mm-hmm. he says, I'm not gay. And then he answers the phone. So yes. at the very least, he is not able to be open at home. And and I think we can assume it's it's more it's a little bit more than that. He's also still figuring it out. Yeah. And then in the end, when he goes back to the wedding, we find out that his entire family has actually moved back to Serbia, except for, I think, his brother and his mom, because he has come out and they were like, oh, well, we're not going to contribute to a household that allows the son to be gay. So peace. So like, yes, not overtly homophobic, or we didn't see a lot of overt homophobia, but there was enough evidence for us to understand that like, He'd not been the most popular person. Yeah, I think the more overt thing we see is racism at that mm-hmm. uh, house party where the girls just start using racist slurs at him for like no reason. I was like mm-hmm. kind of taken off guard, especially like drunk at a party. I just wasn't expecting these girls to flip around and be racist for no reason. I was like, what the fuck? But like, because honestly, I'd forgotten about that scene. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, because... Especially like if you look, you know what, I'm not going to speak on that because I truly am not Australian and I don't know, but I think racism is not just held to America. And I think sometimes like I at least forget like, oh yeah, people will be racist in Australia because there's not a lot of um, non-white people. And so then when they do come into existence and however they define race, like clearly they were like, oh, you're not Australian. You're not from here. So we can be problematic. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, obviously racism isn't exclusive to America. I think it was just like also their age. We expect, I feel like, younger kids to be more accepting. And these were like the youngest kids being not accepting. So Mm -hmm. just caught me off guard. Yeah. I also kept forgetting that it was in the 90s. Oh, that's true. That's true. Good point. I feel like now I expect young people to be really like open-minded and progressive. But then I remember when we went to school, just like, it was part of the mainstream to be homophobic and to like ridicule people for uh, transgressing the the gender binaries. And so it made a lot of sense to me that that would occur. But yes, it is still jarring to hear racial epithets come out of, is that even the word out? Racial slurs to come out of your young folks' mouth. Yeah, it just felt really unwarranted. I did think there was one line that Cole said that really stuck out for me, and it actually had nothing to do with his queer relationship. But someone said, like, oh, does your mom support you? And he said, well, she works three jobs a world away from the people that she loves. So to me, that's like, that's supportive. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, look at this insane adult insight from this 17 year old. I never at 17 would have had enough, (laughs) honestly, like world (laughs) experience to even understand that that's like Mm -hmm. part of the battle of going to work is leaving the people that you love. Like, no, I would have been like, whatever, they're not around, you know, Mm -hmm. but this kid, that was just such an adult answer from him. Yeah. I also think that like we're privileged in that situation because we we're not immigrants. And I feel like that is a common response from children of immigrants that like, of course, my parents support me. Like they came to a whole new world, are working all of these jobs. So like, what more could I want from my parent? And 
I thought it was encapsulated his his mom's experience and his experience also with queerness that like he hadn't really thought about how my mom would respond if I came out as queer because he was so appreciative of all the things that she had sacrificed for him already. Yeah, that's a really good point. This is, I mean, I don't know how to transition into this, but I wanted to talk about the, the two parts um, because I did think like that first part was like 85% of the movie. Yep. And then the second part was the ending. And so I, I was thrown off by that in the, like, I expected the three parts. I expected them to all be like similar in length and it just made the movie feel very abrupt in its ending. And I felt like, again, going back to Moonlight, they did three parts and while the parts weren't necessarily the same amount of time, the quality of those parts all was similar. So it felt equally as important and didn't feel rushed at the end. This felt very like, let me give you this entire development and then give you closure with a quick ending. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that we really get a ton of closure. I thought the ending was was too quick and abrupt. I could have used a, a third act myself. So half of me feels like all of the 90s is act one and then the wedding is act two and then their Mm -hmm. last little thing in the hotel room is kind of act three or like the i'm lucky speech i could kind of see a case for that so i'm not necessarily like bothered that it doesn't have three parts i'm more just bothered Mm -hmm. that the ending comes so abruptly in a lot of ways we get this like glow up from cole and he's uh, has all of this like experience now in theory and like now he's an adult and they're having more adulty conversations if you will or like he has this you know like i said before this jadedness but we don't really have the time to explore it besides that he's like broken right and has clearly Mm -hmm. continued to experience um some trauma in his life but Maybe I'm just a little tired of sad gay stories, but I would have liked to see something I think a little more hopeful from like me personally, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that doesn't, this is still a very real experience and story, but yeah, the ending felt rushed. And then I was like, okay, so we're all still sad. Got it. Yeah. I think it was an, I think it was an interesting story in the like, almost coming of queer age, but like coming of queer age in like relationship romance type thing. Hence, I'm sure the title of an age, but Mm. I wouldn't necessarily call it a, like a romantic story. I think it was very much supposed to be a lot of like internal growth and internal reflection that then allows you to get to this point of connection with another person. But yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a love story. Would you? Um, I think I would. Yeah. I think it's a romance. I think it's a, 
a love story. It's not a happy one necessarily, or, you know, it's not a rom-com. <laughs> That's for no. sure. But um, it's still a romance. Yeah. Or I would, mm-hmm. I would classify it as one. So a romantic drama, how they classify it is, you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, There was a tiny little, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Tori Amos and her music. And I'm not that familiar, but I do know that um, one of her albums was called Why Can't Tori Read? And so when he said, oh, yeah, my email is why can't Adam read at whatever. I was like, oh, this is a little connecting the divas we mentioned. Um, So that was kind of just a fun little. (laughs) I fucking love you. Tidbit. I fucking love you. (laughs) Tidbit. No, I know nothing about Tori Amos. I I mean, I'm not. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but that's a fun little thing that the movie did if you if you know her i did there were some scenes where the cinematography in places were was not my favorite like i literally whispered in the theater like can we back up a little like like back the f up bro like we're a little too close i understand like part of intimacy is getting like that fucking close where you can like see their pores and their skin and everything but there were certain times where i was like let's back it up this is not (laughs) It's going to be prettier if you back it up. Like, this is a little too real and too gritty. And I don't know. I just wanted, I want, there were certain times where I just wanted to be a little, a little further back. I'm so glad that we are podcasting about this movie just before we're podcasting about Close. Like, I think these are gems that you're putting out there. And I want to know your thoughts because that is also an, another movie, hence the title, where it's like, right up on the character's face and yeah I feel like though both movies elicited very different emotions with the same proximity I don't think you'll be like back the fuck up bro with close and I do get why you were mentioning that with this movie especially when it was like that close at least for me that close on whole there were some times where I'm like we could just back it up a little bit yeah yeah it was specifically cool because i think a lot of times when it like got almost like voyeuristic at adam you were like okay this is cole's viewpoint right he's trying to figure out what he's feeling about this person but yeah when some of them for cole i was like let's back up a little let's just back it up and there's also something very did you find cole sorry did you find elias anton attractive and did Not you really. find Tom Green attractive? Kind of, yeah. So maybe that's part of it. I mean, yeah, I but... think that he gets hotter in his glow up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's no longer a fucking 17-year-old boy. Right. Yeah, when he's um, got that facial hair, I'm like, all right, I can see it now. <laughs> yeah. And when it you know, looks like he actually washes his skin, I'm like, ah, there yeah. we go. Yep. Yep. So, but no, I definitely, definitely understand that. That like... They, to me, made Adam look like an attractive young college guy. And then they made Cole look like a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. And honestly, like nothing (laughs) really changed about the actor when he glowed up. Like, but that just like the way in which they did the makeup maybe or the the lighting that really gave him that like vibe. 
Yeah, and the movie's also being shot in small spaces predominantly, at least in the 1999 portion of it, which is the longest portion because it's mostly in the car, right? So we're in a very closed space or at the party, like all the lights are off and we're really only in one or two rooms. So there is something a little bit claustrophobic about parts of this, um, at least until things kind of start happening for them romantically, then I feel like in some ways it opens up a little like the mm-hmm. wedding scenes are more in open spaces and stuff but and the sex scene like they leave yep. the car yep. and they have this moment which oh my god i thought was so cute because i i really was expecting there to be some kind of like repulsion reaction or like don't touch me reaction from cole but it was just like an immediate melt and embrace and i was like oh my god this is so fucking cute this is so fucking cute so I I was just really happy and really surprised that like even in a movie where we kind of know that it's not going to work out that they were still able to elicit such like a happy joy response from me. So, yeah. Yeah, I and I think that's why this movie isn't like my policeman and just a downer through and through to me <laughs> is more yeah, cuz like even though it is fleeting like there's they they have great chemistry and it does seem like they really care about each other so and you know very much enjoy each other so yeah lots yeah. of pleasure blah 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 <laughs> i find it interesting that i think these kind of like whirlwind romances are more realistic for queer people than they are for straight people uh i always find myself like when straight characters are like oh my god i'm in love with them i'm like Girl, you just met him. How are you in love? But then when you put a queer lens on it, I'm like, no, that makes sense. I've been there. I've been that intense with somebody that quickly. So yeah, I could see it. Maybe that's just my bias or the fact that like queer people exist in the minority. So they have to, or they do tend to be intense quicker. I don't know. I did kind of have that question. I I was like, you know, when I see these queer stories, Yeah, very believable, but some of the fleeting ones for straight people I don't find quite as compelling. But honestly, maybe it's just that we see so many more of those stories, so ours are more believable. There's no way Ariel knew that she was in love with the prince after, like, one meeting time, and she was 16 and Cole is 17, so, like, not much of an age difference there. But, like, come on, Ariel. No, you don't. You don't know what you want. You're 16. (laughs) great example <laughs> i'm with king triton so. you gotta stay home you're 16 <laughs> look at jesse siding with the parent is that what you did at 16 jesse did you stay home oh yeah i always behaved and followed all the always. rules and always was a good christian boy at all times <laughs> all times all times feel free to ask my parents i'm sure they would denounce the devil sure they would agree <laughs> You know, that's a good question about why is it, I don't know how to answer that, but I think you're right. Like, I think it is more compelling to have these brief things as queer people, but I I can't tell you why. But also when I like think about all the queer people I know, I'm like, no, no, yeah, they all relate. Like, I feel like we all had a problematic, intense first love that took us a while to get over. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. I mean, do you want to name names or <laughs> no names? No names. Okay, so yeah, yeah. no rebuttal from Rihanna. Cool, nope, cool, 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 cool. 
But yeah, that's a good one to noodle on. And I mean, also thinking about just like all of the queer movies that were out when we were in college, like almost all of them surrounded the idea that like there was a brief intense romantic sexual connection typically involving someone who's never had this experience or really pondered this thought and someone who's more experienced and like those are the love stories that we've gotten so maybe just by that they're more believable because it's really all we've ever seen we've never really seen a lot of films doing the like dating getting to know you which is what I feel like made bros different because we did kind of get that they did have to do dates they did do a lot of self-work to kind of like understand where they were and how they could work together I think for me it reminds me a little bit of like um the gay and lesbian pulp fiction novels that were around in like 50s 60s 70s and here's why I know I see your face uh of shock (laughs) and here's why because I feel like those are a lot of times these situations like camp or something where you get to have this experience that you want but it's sort of Mm -hmm. just this assumption that it is temporary because you obviously have to fit it back into the mold right you're gonna have to get married eventually and Mm. have kids and do this so this really intense thing that to me means you're probably queer if this was way more intense than everything else um Mm -hmm. is yeah not anything that can be long term just because of the you know, societal pressures and family pressures. And, you know, even mm-hmm. if depending what time period it's set, like if you're women, you have to, cause you can't own property, right. There we get into a mm-hmm. lot of that kind of stuff. So maybe it's just that for so long it had to be fleeting because you had to eventually subscribe to heteronormativity. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be, you know, penniless kind of thing. Which then kind of like, brings me back to what he what Cole was saying at the end because I the second act was in 2010 right yep okay so the idea that like even in 2010 he was still telling people like he was still got to tell other people like I've had this experience where like maybe at that point other people really hadn't and so I don't know. I this this thought seemed really profound when I was when I was formulating it and I'm butchering it. But the idea that like even in 2010 we weren't as progressive as we thought we were and so it still was rare to have fallen in intense love or had an intense experience because there's still so many things shrouding queerness and gayness at that time that like that was not commonplace especially for men yeah absolutely I agree and I think Cole in this movie it's just going to be harder for him as an immigrant honestly just not the handsome white guy right like Adam is Adam will likely have an easier time Mm -hmm. which is kind of alluded to because like if someone says like he just got married right and that Mm -hmm. so Adam's you know, at least doing something that appears to be (laughs) happiness. Whereas yeah, Cole's got nothing like that going on. Yeah. But no, I think that was a good point about the, the Pulp Fiction and the, like, this is the only chance we get at happiness. So let's take it now or at like, uh, queer love. So let's take it now rather than the, like, Oh, I have so much access to this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's only like, our generation and younger who I think have had yeah quite so much freedom to 
spend so much time thinking about who do I want and what kind of relationship do I want, right? Like, I'm sure if you told some of the 50s and 60s queer folks, like, yeah, polyamory is pretty big these days, their mind would be blown. So, you know, right. it's just a different time. Right. Yeah. It's also really hard to believe that 1999 was 24 years ago. I keep thinking them like, no, that was just like a handful of years ago. So it's not really like that far back, which is why I keep having to say like, no, this took place in 99. That's, that's a minute. Yeah. Thank God flannel lasted this long though. Phew. My wife still wants you to stop wearing flannel. She recently told her brother because she was like, and he just, he, he duped me. He's not handy. I'm like, nope, he's just hot in flannels. So for all the people who are thirsty for Jesse out there, he can't help you build your Ikea furniture. <laughs> That's not he true. I can absolutely build, wearing a flannel. I can absolutely build Ikea furniture. But if you think I can woodwork or like find studs to mount your TV, I am out because I cannot. <laughs> I am not that guy. My dad's uh, in finance. We didn't learn how to build things. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And it is not catfishing to wear flannels as a Pacific Northwest man, just because I, I can't, can't woodwork. Explain. I know, but I think it's because she's from New York. So she just, this is a wrongful association on her yes. part. <laughs> I'm not. Her, no, her, <laughs> her example was like, it's like when motherfuckers wear Tim's, but they don't do any construction work. Like, what the fuck you mean? You don't know how to do construction. And I was like. I get that because a lot of people in New York wear dims. So, hmm. I feel like this is a slippery slope of stereotypes, but let's save it for another pod. <laughs> okay. <laughs> would you watch the movie again? So, I would probably say no right now, unless I was going to, maybe for like a film class, if we were all going <laughs> to talk about it and pull it apart and, you know, but like, I, I don't have a lot of interest in watching this again. I think I spent adequate amount of time with Adam and Cole and, you know, wish them the best, but probably not. Okay. What about you? Good to know. I, I would watch it again. I mean, even to the point where like, if one of my friends were like, yo, I really want to go see this. Will you come with me? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? It was cute. Uh, but I feel like so far I would do that with almost all of our movies maybe not shiva baby i was gonna say really that. okay with never seeing that one again <laughs> but yeah yeah okay. okay well thank you for joining us today on queer watching feel free to follow us on twitter at queer underscore watching and to leave us a five-star review on spotify and or apple podcast and if you want to send us an email with recommendations or feedback you can at queer at gmail.com ta-ta